Coming up on tonight's episode, it's our first of 2019, and we have got a bracket buster. We're putting the biggest U.S. monuments, memorials, national parks, the iconic places of the U.S. battling head-to-head, 16 of them, to determine the ultimate winner tonight, the Sweet 16. This is Up for Debate, episode number 134, recorded January 10th, 2019. Landmarks, coast to coast. Hello, everybody. Welcome to this episode of Up for Debate. I'm Sean Jennings, joined as always by uh, a man like many of the places we'll talk about tonight who deserves to be commemorated on a U.S. stamp. It is Matt Mariani. Hello, Matt. Hey, Sean. Uh, what's going on? Uh, Matt, happy, I'm thrilled happy to be Happy 2019. Happy New Year. Yes, indeed. Another mm-hmm. year, another Up for Debate. And Matt, I, we have got a thrilling year ahead of us. I don't, I don't want to hype it up too much. We ended 2018 really strong. But I think we've got a great 2019 ahead of us. Yeah, absolutely. It's crazy. We're already like halfway, halfway into the first month of 2019. I mean, we're 10 days in, so that puts us at 135th of the way through the year. Look at you using your math, using that math book, that math textbook. You know, I spend so much time in Excel, Matt. I think it's starting to rub off on me. <laughs> Yeah. Um, but we have got a great uh, set of episodes coming up this week and next week. And I do want to tease, we're doing uh, the bracket challenge this week and next week. And the, the two weeks after that will be our big Super Bowl, our annual Super Bowl prop bets. Mm. Um, coming up after that, we're going to do, uh, uh, we'll have the summer movie draft is coming up in early March. Following that, we will have the uh, our next Up for Debate Presents, uh, which will also be fun. So we got a lot of great stuff coming up. We've got to start tonight, Matt, with another bracket challenge. Can you believe, Matt, this is our fifth bracket challenge? Yeah. Um, you want to recap some of the previous bracket challenges that we've done on this show? How, well, how many can, <laughs> are uh, you asking me to do it because you can't remember them? All right. So I I'll, I'll, here's the ones that I remember doing. Uh-huh. Jeopardy. No, not Jeopardy. Um, SNL bits. Yep. SNL sketches. I do not remember which one won. Was it more Cowbell? It was more cowbell. Oh, that sucks. Pretty sure it was more cowbell. That was uh, bad. It was a great one. That was it was between that and Jeopardy. I think that one that was the That's, final. We three. were so bad on that. I think that more cowbell won in the end. Who you, you have to go back and, and check um, check the tape on that. Not great. The other bracket challenge, of course, the the most famous perhaps, or perhaps infamous. the most infamous yeah. was the super salad uh, bracket challenge. Yep. That that did not go down well among many of our fans. It was very de- a very divisive episode indeed. Absolutely. Without, I would say without doubt our most controversial we've ever done. In the most controversial episode of of Upford Bait. Which that says something ever. about us that our most controversial episode is about soup and salad. <laughs> I mean yeah. that that says something. Uh, uh, it was a pretty solid debate though. So if you want to go back and check that oh, one those out. Were great. That uh, was that was really worthwhile. Um, we also had our first ever bracket challenge, Matt, which was uh, novelty songs. Yeah, where we crowned, right. and I think probably the most correct bracket we've ever done in terms of the winner. We named Monster Mash, Bobby Pickett, and the Crypt Keeper Five as our uh, top novelty song, which I stand by as a very good choice. Was that our first bracket? That was the challenge? first one. I that thought SNL. One. Okay, oh, I so SNL, SNL was two. Then it was uh, actually even before Soup and Salad, we did our Fears bracket, which I love. That was a great one. Uh, do you remember which Fear won? Do you remember? I don't. 
I don't. That's not good. But was it was it fear of fear of empty spaces? I want to say. I want to say fear of the number thirteen got weirdly far. You know what would be cool is if we were able to Google this, but I but we're really not. Like the yeah. only way. The only way to figure it out is to go back and listen. Matt, that's what we call a cliffhanger. So, folks, go to upfordebate.tv, <laughs> click on the archive button, and all of these bracket challenges are available for you to watch and or listen. Check them out. We had a lot of fun doing them. We've learned a lot of what we should and shouldn't do, so I trust this bracket's going to be a lot of fun, Matt, and I'm very excited to do this one because you and I, I would say, are uniquely qualified to judge this category, which is landmarks iconic US landmarks things and places in the united states we're limiting it there um and we're putting them together head to head we have 16 of them here that we are going to rate uh matt uh you okay if i run down all 16 quickly sure so Go this for is it. The, this is the full list uh we'll publish the bracket on the website and we'll tweet it out at uh at up for debate tv on twitter so check that out if you're listening and get a little lost but uh, in no particular order, here are the initial 16 we're going to narrow to one winner. They are the Grand Canyon, Niagara Falls, the Brooklyn Bridge, the Golden Gate Bridge, Gettysburg Battlefield, the Alamo Mission, the Gateway Arch, the Hoover Dam, the Statue of Liberty, the Washington Monument, the Empire State Building, Alcatraz Island, Mount Rushmore, the Lincoln Memorial, Kennedy Space Center, and Disneyland in California. Those are your 16 combatants, all truly iconic coast-to-coast U.S. landmarks. And Matt, we have to put them head-to-head in our first round where they're going to all play each other. We're going to narrow it down to eight by the end of tonight's episode and then join us next week where we'll take that eight to four, those four to two, and those two to a single winner. Now, Matt, one of the most valuable things I think we learned during the Super Salad debacle was that we need to have a scoring metric when we do these. Yes. Because that's how we ended up with minestrone so far in the soups bracket and Italian wedding soup because we didn't score them. We just kind of randomly picked them. That doesn't work. So I was thinking, Matt, if this is okay with you, for this first round, we will score on three metrics, okay? Okay. You will pick a metric. I will pick a metric. And then we'll give it a score overall. It will be on a one to five point scale, five being the most and one being the least for each of those three categories. Okay. I'm and you following can, you. And you can pick, Matt, any category you any you want to how pretty they are, how old they are, how they make you feel inside, how many tourists they get. You can pick any metric on the planet to score these on. And that's your chosen metric. And then I get to choose one and then we score overall. Okay. Does that work? Oh uh, yeah. Okay. I'm- I'm down. I think that's that work. That totally works. Now I'm springing this on you, like so it. you don't have a metric yet. So I'm going to give you a minute to think about it while I tell you my metric, which is uh, I am going to I when looking at these, putting them head to head against each other, and, and they're grouped in this first round by almost type a little bit. Like you've got the Brooklyn Bridge versus the Golden Gate Bridge, you've got the Gettysburg Battlefield versus the Alamo Mission. They're kind of similar categories. So when I'm looking at them head to head, for me. I would like to score them in terms of visual beauty. That is my metric I'm choosing. Visual design and visual beauty for this first round is how I would like to score each of these on a scale of one to five. Now, Matt, okay. do you have a metric? Um, okay. My metric, if you're going to do visual beauty... yes. 
and like aesthetic is that your yeah, that's aesthetic your, that's probably your thing, a more aesthetic good way to say it um uh for this one i might i might go with maybe historical significance i like that uh, i like that maybe. that's okay. a very, that's a very good one all right so we'll be or scoring wait, for is this just for this is just for the first bracket correct just okay, for the first so round i'm going to totally change that okay and instead i'm going to for this first bracket i'm going to grade them on on um uh amount of times or i'm going to Cultural relevance, Sean. Cultural relevance. Cultural relevance. Times mentioned in movies and TV shows in um Okay. Things like that. I think that would be a good a good one for this first bracket. Okay. I love it. That's wonderful. So we'll be grading them on a one to five scale aesthetics and visual appeal, uh cultural relevance, and then an overall one to five for each of these, a maximum score of fifteen each. We will total them up, the two just head to head. Highest points moves on to the next round, Matt. And we're going to start in the upper left-hand corner of our bracket. I'm putting it up on the video here for the video viewers. Where we're going to pat two, I call this the sort of natural matchup. The Grand Canyon in Arizona versus Niagara Falls uh, in Niagara Falls, uh, New York. Now, of course, the Grand Canyon uh, carved by the Colorado River in Arizona. It's 277 miles long and up to 18 miles wide and a depth of over a mile in certain places. Um, it has been uh, established as the 17th U.S. National Park um, and signed into law by Pre President Woodrow Wilson in February of 1919. Fun fact, the Grand Canyon is bigger than the entire state of Rhode Island. Uh, the Grand Canyon, about 1,904 square miles versus uh, 1,212 square miles for Rhode Island. Uh, for thousands of years, the area has been inhabited by Native Americans. Uh, the Pueblo people considered the Grand Canyon a holy site and made pilgrimages to it. Uh, the first European known to have viewed the Grand Canyon was Garcia Lopez de Cardenas from Spain, who arrived in 1540. Uh, now, Niagara Falls. This will be a fact-packed episode. I'm just warning people. Um, Niagara Falls is the collective name for three waterfalls that straddle the international border between Canada and the U.S. and the state of New York. Uh, those waterfalls are, from largest to smallest, the Horseshoe Falls, the American Falls, and the Bridal Veil Falls. Uh, the, uh, the, they drain Lake Erie into Lake Ontario, um, and the combined falls have the highest flow rate of any waterfall in North America that has a vertical drop of more than 50 meters during peak daytime tourist hours, more than 168,000 cubic meters of water, uh, that's 6 million cubic feet go over the crest of the falls every minute. Uh, and the Horseshoe Falls is the most powerful waterfall in North America as measured by flow rate. Fun fact, in October of 1829, Sam Patch, who called himself the Yankee Leaper, became the first to jump into the gorge below the falls and survived. Uh, in 1901, a 63-year-old Michigan school teacher named Annie Edson Taylor became the first person to go over the falls in a barrel as a publicity stunt. Hmm. Now, Sean, is that is? I know that we also did a um, an infamous episode on idioms and expressions yes is that is that where the term over a barrel comes from sure I, I believe it is i believe that's where we uh where we were able i think that was a uh, we were able to figure that out on the show i think it was a question that came that up. makes perfect sense um now matt any any early thoughts on these before we get into scoring any any particular now you've been to niagara falls mm, indeed have I not have. been to the grand canyon no did you not. enjoy the Niagara Falls? It's on my bucket list. Yeah, I guess it was it was pretty good. Um it was uh the biggest waterfall I've ever seen, indeed. Very large. 
uh, Among very the largest. Wet, very wet. Mm. <laughs> that, that is what it's known for. Now, um, yeah. Now let's get to scoring these bad boys. Uh, we have got uh, three categories here, Matt. Uh, we'll let you go first here. The Grand Canyon and Niagara Falls. How do you rate them on aesthetics? Um, we're, we're scaling one to five. One correct? to five. Just five sure. being the yeah. most. For the Grand Canyon, uh, now. Hmm. It might be might be overstating it, but I, I'll give it a four. Okay. It's very it's very majestic. It's not only picturesque, but it's very majestic and um I think I think visually stunning. And aesthetics not only meaning visual, but like when you're there, you could probably feel something, you know, some kind of inspiration. That's that's why it's the most visited site in the US, you know. Yeah. I get that. And mm-hmm. what what about Niagara Falls? For aesthetics, uh, that one I'm I'm mm, I might be a little chintzy with that one. I might only give that one uh, two. Honestly, okay, wow, really wasn't um wasn't that blown away. I mean, it's a waterfall, but it's just the majesty and and, and now I've heard that that if you get close to it on the water, it's uh, you know something different, different experience. But from where I could see it, eh. It was a big waterfall, sure, but I think I would probably take the uh, the the canyon any day. I hear that, yeah, and I I agree. I think with your reasoning on that, um, I, I I'm going to give Niagara Falls a bit more points, though. I'm going to give it a four. Uh, I think it's it is v- very visually appealing. Um, the issue is, of course, the one really good falls is in Canada, and the U.S. falls are kind of the crappier falls. So not as interesting, but especially at night, they light it up. It's very interesting, but for me, the Grand Canyon's got to score a perfect five, and I think the reason it does better than Niagara Falls is because the Grand Canyon is billions of years old, and its beauty is stable. The thing about Niagara Falls is half the year it's frozen over, and nothing moves. You know, it's it's mm. not as interesting. Think about the Grand Canyon, it's, always, it's not water-dependent. It's not, because it's, there's nothing stable about Niagara Falls, it's always moving great thing about the grand canyon it's a big hole it's always there so i I, for me that's a that's a five uh and that gives us a combined score of 15 for aesthetics um wait that's not right ignore me saying that that doesn't make any sense uh anyhow matt what about uh, cultural relevance for these two uh in terms of cultural relevance um one of my favorite movies of of, one of my favorite comedies of all time is national lampoon's vacation Mm, oh of course they visit the Grand Canyon in National Lampoon's Vacation. They don't visit Niagara Falls. So I'm going to give the point there, you know, chalk one point up to uh, to Grand Canyon. Uh, the wedding of Jim and Pam in the office took place at Niagara Falls or like near Niagara Falls. And I thought that that as soon as they got married, the show stopped being funny. Mm-hmm. So that's minus one point for Niagara Falls. Um, so I'm going to give it in terms of cultural relevance. I got I'm going to give it to the Canyon, the Grand Canyon. Uh, also, uh, wait a minute. The Brady Bunch episode where they visit the Grand Canyon. That's right. Great episode. Excellent. Not as good as the one where they visited Hawaii, though. Oh, totally. No, I totally agree with you on that one. 
Um, that when they visited Hawaii is excellent. A, a very late Vincent Price making a guest appearance. That's right. On that episode. So cool. Oh, and um, and 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 uh, Don Hope isn't he in that one? I don't. I haven't seen that in a. Oof, I couldn't even tell you. Google's a good one for that. It is Don Hope, right? Yes. The 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 Bob um, Hope. Bob, no, no, not Bob Hope. Ah, Don Johnson. I don't know who you're talking about. You completely lost me. Um. And uh, I think so. You're giving this one to the Grand Canyon. I'm, I'm, it, I'm definitely giving it to the Grand Canyon, Sean. We're we're gonna in the interest of time and boredom, we're gonna streamline this a little bit. Don Ho. Don Ho. Hawaiian entertainer Don Ho. Yes. Yeah, not Hope. Ho. Gotcha. Don Ho. He passed away in 2007, but he was a um, he was a pop singer and entertainer who was from uh from Hawaii. He 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 appeared in in the episode and sang like a song there. Gotcha. Um, he was also in uh, the direct-to-DVD movie Aloha Scooby-Doo. Somehow I missed that one. And was the father of Hoku. The, the the puzzles where you have to do the one through nine? No, that's Sudoku, Sean. <laughs> Hoku is... Um, I, I have one hooked up to my TV. I watch Netflix on it. And you I, ever see Snow Day? That's Roku. No. Snow Day... Um, is that the character from Dragon Ball? That's Goku. Oh, I just don't know what you're talking about. All right. Hoku. If you ever see the classic Nickelodeon movie from 2000. Classic. Day, yeah. Somehow missed out on the Oscar. She sings. Um, she sings a song on that album. And I think also a song in maybe Illegally Blonde. Sounds like an that awesome career. Sense. Yeah. But I'm not wonderful. judging. She's um, a gem. All right, Matt. Uh, you picked uh, Grand Canyon for cultural relevance. I'm going to agree with you. Uh, I think the, I think the Grand Canyon is, is seen in culture as more of sort of a positive as, as awe inspiring. And I think Niagara Falls is kind of like the city of Buffalo, kind of like a crappy afterthought where it's, I think it should get more credit. I just think it doesn't get it. So I'm going to take Grand Canyon on that one as well. Matt, overall, which of these two do you prefer? If you had to pick a winner between these two right now, based on your entire life's experience, I think it's pretty evident I'm picking the Grand Canyon. You're picking the Grand Canyon. I'm picking the Grand Canyon as well. Uh, and I love Niagara Falls. I've been there many, many times. I think it's yeah. a wonderful place. I've always had a very nice time there. I think the falls are great. I even got to go up in the uh, the lighting control booth where they where they turn all the lights on and off, which was really neat. A wonderful place. Grand Canyon is just better. Yeah. It's bigger than Rhode Island. What do you want me to it's say? It's just better. Yeah. All right. Grand Canyon wins uh, our first matchup. Matt, would you like to find out who it's going to face in the next round? Uh, I would. Then we got to move on to the Battle of the Bridges, a real East Coast-West Coast battle, starting with the Brooklyn Bridge, a hybrid cable-stayed suspension bridge connecting the boroughs of Manhattan and Brooklyn, spanning the East River. Its main span is 1,595.5 feet long, with a height of 276 feet above mean high water. It's one of the oldest roadway bridges in the United States and was the world's first steel wire suspension bridge. Fun fact, um... Commuters were scared when the bridge first opened. They didn't trust it because nothing like that had ever been built before. So the city hired P.T. Barnum to march 21 elephants across the Brooklyn Bridge in May of 1884 just to show how sturdy the span was. True story. Yeah, that was a fact. Um, that was a fact that we we told in another episode, wasn't it? Did we? This whole episode is like callbacks. Oh, my God, Matt. We've been doing this too long. 
Is this is this like a, one of those clip show episodes? We gotta we gotta stop. This is bad. <laughs> um, it's going up against the Golden Gate Bridge. It's West Coast rival. Uh, the Golden Gate Bridge is a suspension bridge spanning what's known as the Golden Gate, the one mile wide straight connecting the San Francisco Bay to the Pacific Ocean. At the time of its opening in 1937, it was both the longest and tallest suspension bridge in the world, with a main span of 4,200 feet and a total height of 746 feet. Uh, another fun fact on the Golden Gate Bridge: uh, the bridge was built in the 1930s. Safety, very uncommon at that. People died in construction projects in the 30s all the time. Uh, But the Golden Gate Bridge was actually one of the safest projects of its era and introduced a lot of new safety technology, including uh, workers having to wear glare-free goggles, use hand and face cream to protect their skin from high winds. Um, The engineer uh, for the project created special hard hats for the bridge worker, which they were required to wear at all times, which was new at the time. And in 1936, they installed a net under the bridge that cost $130,000, a lot of money at the time. Um, But it was the first of its kind. It helped to speed construction while also giving workers a sense of security. It saved 19 men who otherwise would have plummeted into the water below. So I guess that's a fun fact. Hmm. Um, Matt, let's start this one off uh, talking with aesthetics. I'll go first on this one. Um, To me, this is an easy one. To me, this is an easy one. Who wins this? And I think it's the Golden Gate Bridge. Uh, don't get me wrong. I love the design of the Brooklyn Bridge, but the iconic color, which, by the way, if you don't know the name, is called International Orange, um, I think is so picture... It's one of the most photographed bridges in the world, and I think there's a reason for that. It's iconic. You may know it from the opening credits to Full House, uh, among other things. Maybe that'll be part of a cultural relevance debate. But uh, for me, I think Golden Gate Bridge wins the the aesthetics battle. Um, Because I think, I guess the Brooklyn Bridge is more of a industrial feel versus the sort of colorful feel of the Golden Gate Bridge. What do you think, Matt? Well, hold on there a minute. What? Um, I, this might surprise you here. What? But I'm a New York kid. Okay. And I'm a New Yorker through and through. Can you explain to the, because there are people listening who may not know you, Matt, where, explain how your New York roots, where did you grow up? I'm a New York kid. Where did you grow up? That's what I am. I'm a Brooklyn kid. You are not a Brooklyn kid. Where did you? Born and raised. Nope. West Philadelphia. Nope. Born and raised. Nope. Uh, I'm going by my Brooklyn roots and I'm going to go ahead and, and defend the Brooklyn bridge. I think it's a beautiful bridge. I think it's wonderful. I think it's iconic and just as iconic as the Golden Gate Bridge itself. I think it it leads people to and from the greatest city in the world, New York, New York, New York. And it um, – that's all I have to say about it. It's, it's a wonderful bridge. That is such bullshit. Get out of it. What are you <laughs> it talking it's, about? It's a great bridge. Uh, you know, in terms of aesthetics, it's, it's a very, it's a very beautiful bridge. It's structurally sound. I don't know what else you want from, from a bridge. Um, I think it, Matt, the it, whole point of aesthetics has nothing to do with it being structurally. I would love a beautiful just, bridge I'm that isn't structurally contrib- sound. Well, to contribute, to contribute to the fact of it being a beautiful bridge, it's also structurally, incredibly structurally sound. Yeah, but Matt, I call baloney on the aesthetics of aesthetically pretty as well. It is. It's pretty. It's a pretty bridge. During construction of the Brooklyn Bridge, they found out that their wire supplier was giving them cheap wire. And so they had to add a bunch of extra wires to make sure the bridge didn't collapse. Okay, so they did, and they added them, and it hasn't collapsed yet. It doesn't it doesn't even need that many wires. It's crazy. It has a ton of wires, Sean. It's got a lot. 
Too many. Uh, I don't know. Okay. I think I think it's I think it gives it it it's part of its iconic look at this point. You know what I also like about the Brooklyn Bridge, Sean? You can walk across it. You can't you can. walk across the Golden Gate Bridge. Actually, you absolutely can walk across the Golden Gate Bridge. No, I don't think so. No, you absolutely can. I, I know for a fact that Brooklyn Bridge you can jog across. Okay, that's true. I don't I'm not disagreeing with that part of your statement. I don't think you can walk across the Golden Gate Bridge. That's the part I'm disagreeing with. And actually, that leads me to the fun fact that I was going to share, and then I thought it was too much of a bummer, but I'm going to share it anyway because it proves my point, which is um, that the Golden Break Gate Bridge is the second most used uh, suicide bridge in the world. Um, the deck is about 245 feet above water. After a fall of four seconds, jumpers hit the water at about 75 miles per hour. Most of the j- jumpers die from impact trauma. Around 5% survive the initial impact, but generally da- drown or die of hypothermia in the water. So you can walk across the bridge, Matt, because many people jump off of it, unfortunately. All right, so so I think I think that argument leads to a uh, reason that the Golden Gate Bridge is not better than the Brooklyn Bridge. I think that makes it I'm worse. I'm just talking aesthetically, Matt. Let's move I on. I think it makes it worse. I've it, tallied it your vote. To people it leads to people dying i've tallied your vote for aesthetics your voice has been heard cultural relevance matt i will start uh which bridge is more culturally relevant i'm gonna give it to the brooklyn bridge on this one i'm gonna give it to the brooklyn bridge because while the golden gate bridge is one of the most photographed bridges in the world i think san francisco is a is a less culturally relevant location for the if the golden gate bridge were in new york Boom, you'd have like a cultural supernova. I mean, it, it'd be over at that point. But I think the Brooklyn Bridge it is such an iconic postcard image in a city in itself that has three items on our bracket tonight. So I'm going to give it to the Brooklyn Bridge in terms of cultural relevance. What do you say, Matt? Thank you. Uh, and, you know, I'll, I'd have to agree. I, I, cultural relevance, I would I would fight for the Brooklyn Bridge. Uh you know, the Golden Gate Bridge might be the longest, might be the biggest, whatever you want to say. It might be um, better in almost every way. It, it, nah, not necessarily. We might not want to say that because it's <laughs> it's untrue. But but the Brooklyn Bridge, you can say, um, it, I think it is more iconic. I think it it really adds something to the landscape of, of New York City. I and it, I think it, it the city wouldn't be the same without it. I think it better reflects the city it lives in than the Golden Gate Bridge does. That's 100% true because if the Golden Gate Bridge better reflected San Francisco or Oakland, it would be covered in poop and would be um, like made out of computer code. Wow, we're just hitting all the stereotypes tonight. So <laughs> no city is safe. We have even got a landmark in South Dakota, so nowhere is safe. Um, right. All right, Matt. Finally, quickly, overall, I think we know what you're going to say, but between these two bridges, Matt, which is your overall pick? Uh, I think you know what I'm going to say. It's the Brooklyn Bridge. Okay. I'm picking the Brooklyn Bridge all the way, baby. Brooklyn, number one. All right. All right. Don't <laughs> don't push it. You're almost <laughs> as bad as those chumps from Long Island. Uh, I am going to say uh, I, my overall pick is going to be uh, the uh, Golden Gate Bridge. I, I think I – look, I love the Brooklyn Bridge. It's a solid bridge. Frankly, I think it's got many advantages over the Golden Gate Bridge, but I think the Golden Gate Bridge's size and design – really stand it above the Brooklyn Bridge. Um, it's just a bigger bridge. How can you not pick it? Uh, but lucky for you, Matt, because I swung over to cultural relevance on the Brooklyn Bridge, the Brooklyn Bridge wins and is moving on to face the Grand Canyon in our next round where it will you know, get we're gonna, demolished. We're going to get we're gonna get so much shit for this, by the way. 
That's why we shouldn't do these bracket challenges. Just I don't this, know why this we one do that we them. just did, I think is gonna we're gonna we're gonna hear about it. We want to hear okay. about it. If people got stuff to say at upfordebatetv at gmail.com or tweet at us at upfordebatetv. Tell mm-hmm. us we're wrong. Maybe we'll put out some polls on Twitter or something. Um and the fans can vote. Uh but Matt, we've got a next one here in our historical matchup. We've got the Gettysburg Battlefield in Gettysburg, Pennsylvania versus the Alamo Mission in San Antonio, Texas. Starting with the Gettysburg Battlefield, you could probably do the fun facts for the Gettysburg Battlefield. Yeah. Um, well, uh, I visited there not too long ago. Um, let me say it's uh, it's um, it's a battlefield indeed, but is, there's also an excellent museum and an excellent and, and really a, a very vastly underrated little town and community nearby. Um, well, However, we are kind of focusing in on the historical site of the of the battlefield itself. Well, Matt, uh, as of Gettysburg, 2008, the Gettysburg mm-hmm. National Military Park had 1,320 monuments, 410 cannons, 148 historical buildings, two and a half observation towers, and 41 miles of avenues, roads, and lanes. Sure. Um, it is also... Um, I'm trying to see. Oh, here we go. Uh, it's also around 10 miles, within 10 miles of the Maryland-Pennsylvania state line. So a lot of people, when they when they go there, they think it's it's like in the heart of Pennsylvania. Oh, it's, sure. It's really not. It's extremely close to Maryland. Um, it's like we're kind of right on the line. As a matter of fact, whenever we whenever we drive kind of in between um we go up to new york quite a bit uh we live down here in virginia the gettysburg exit and the gettysburg battlefield are usually you know something that we pass right by matter of fact uh, not too long ago uh we accidentally um we were driving back to back down here and we accidentally drove into like the town of gettysburg and and we well we didn't accidentally we were stopping off at a mcdonald's and we like looked out right outside the window of the McDonald's, and oh yeah, look, there's Gettysburg Battlefield. Wow, that's a bummer. <laughs> it was it was just unusual, and yeah, a little depressing. Mm. Yeah, of course. Uh, the Battle of Gettysburg fought July of 1863, the most costly war in uh, U.S. history on U.S. soil. Uh, between 46,000 and 51,000 soldiers uh, were casualties in the three-day battle. The National Military Park receives an annual three million visitors a year. Matt, it's going up against. The Alamo Mission, famous for the Battle of the Alamo, taking place uh, between February and March of 1836, a pivotal event in the Texas Revolution, uh, a 13-day siege from the Mexican troops. Uh, The building was originally founded in the 18th century as a Roman Catholic mission, um, and it was one of the earliest Spanish missions in Texas. Um, It was abandoned for a while, eventually taken up right before this. Uh, As of 2002, the Alamo welcomed over 4 million visitors a year, making it one of the most popular historic sites in the United States. Hmm. Uh, Also, that famous movie with... Who was in that movie? Uh, Wasn't it uh, Bill... It wasn't Bill Paxton, was it? Mm. That one I have to look up. That Um, I don't know. The Alamo, 2004's film with uh, Dennis Quaid. That's who was. I always mix him up Dennis with Bill Quaid. Paxman. Dennis Quaid, Billy Bob Thornton. Okay. 
2004 I'll take film. your word for it. It sounds like a pretty good, well-made movie. I mean, it was produced by Ron Howard. So, um, But anyhow, Matt, uh, we'll start with you. Uh, starting with aesthetics, what do you think of these two places? Uh, so, you know, um, full disclosure here, I, I, you know, we were talking before the show, I, I have never been to the Alamo. Um, I have indeed been to, I've been to Gettysburg, Gettysburg. Battlefield mm-hmm. a couple of times. Uh, we'll start with Gettysburg Battlefield. I think the aesthetics of it are, um, are good. Um, I, I would probably give it a three. Okay. It's, it's, it's pretty in, in some areas. There's, there's a lot of, a lot of wide open, you know, vast spaces, but it, it, it is, it's unique on this list because it's the only landmark I think that is just kind of a vast space of, of land. Sure. So to speak, rather than, you know, the Grand Canyon would fit that description too, but a lot of that That's is more of a natural the ca- landmark. Canyon. Yeah. yeah th- this is, this is a hist- purely historic, um, and natural landmark. It's kind of, kind of a, like a blending of the two, mm-hmm. which, um, which I think goes more in the cultural relevance category, but in terms of the aesthetics, it's, it's nice. It's, uh, it's got a lot of, um, a lot of, a lot of rich history and, uh, Interesting visuals, depending on where you are. It's it's very diverse in that regard, and there's a lot of a lot of um, intricate topography. Meaning, like it's there's a lot of a lot of like high points and ridges that you can kind of look 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 across. Um, it makes it a little diverse in, in that regard. There, it paints a very beautiful Sorry, picture. I, I fell asleep uh, while you were talking <laughs> about the hills. Yeah, it's it's got it's got a lot of nice hills. Mm. I, I can't say that it's more sexy. The Alamo is definitely sexier, Sean. That's what you want it's me to say. It's a sexy building. I mean, it's a Spanish it mission. It is. It is extremely sexy. But and I think so. I think that Alamo beats it out. I would have to go with I, I go would, with the Alamo. Just from the pictures and and videos I've seen of the Alamo, I'd probably give that a four in the yeah. compartment. Yeah, Matt. For me, this is an automatic disqualification. Gettysburg Battlefield doesn't even qualify for aesthetics. It doesn't have any because it's not a thing. It's an idea. Well, it's just a bunch of ground. I could point to the, my backyard and declare it a national park because something happened there. But it's not. It just. It's a. It's just a place. It's not a. There's not a look at. It doesn't have aesthetics. That's like yeah. the idea of freedom doesn't have aesthetics. It's just an idea. I get. I get your argument there, but but at the but same right. time. But at the same time, I. I yeah. You know, Gettysburg is not the hill I want to die on. Is that like a joke? It was. It was like half a was joke. Is that like a joke? That is an. It was very, half a joke. Too soon, I thought Matt, about it. Too soon. That's in poor taste. <laughs> too soon. Too soon. Man, got got to let some of the the pain wear away on that. Uh, now, Matt, what about cultural relevance? I think this is something we can maybe bite into a little bit more. Mm. Of these two. What do you think? Well, I think. Cultural relevance. All right. So, you ever see the show King of the Hill? Uh, yes. Yes. Is propane and propane accessories. Yes. Very funny episode of King of the Hill where Hank goes to the Alamo. Um, it, it's the episode where he's, he's trying to prove to Boomhauer that he's a true Texan. Mm. 
because he, they find out that his he was actually born in um, not in Texas, but he was. Um, the, the story gets told like three times, and it changes from being not from being born outside of Texas to being find out he's being he was born in a bathroom in an airport, and finding out that he was born in a bathroom in an airport in New York. Mm. Which um, you know, Frank is or Hank's like horrified to find this out. So he goes on this giant quest to find out that he's like you know to to try to prove that he's a true Texan, and he ends up at the Alamo. I won't spoil any more of it. It's probably my favorite episode of the show, so I recommend you go and watch it. Um, but uh, that episode alone, I think, makes um, makes makes the the Alamo win out against against uh, Gettysburg. In terms of cultural value. Now, Matt, I will say though, on the on the negative side, of course, famously Ozzy Osbourne urinated on the Alamo. Famously, I, I never heard about that. Is that true? Is that yes? A true fact? They tried to kick him out of the state of Texas permanently over that. He got in a lot of trouble for that. The Texans Yikes. really like the Alamo, uh, and they 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 take it personally. Um, I think. Again, culture, right? How do you define culture? I think Gettysburg, I think if you surveyed an average American, I think more people would know about Gettysburg than the Alamo. Because I think Gettysburg is more important historically. I think it's more important, you know, in terms of like movies and TV, maybe not. Of course, you know, Ken Burns' famous Civil War documentary. Um, I don't know. I'm going to give it to Gettysburg on this. I just think Pennsylvania is great. So I'm going to give it to... I'm going to give that one to the Gettysburg because it's got to win something eventually. Um, Sean, I just I just learned through my research that there was apparently a second King of the Hill episode referencing the Alamo. This one, actually, the title of the episode is How I Learned How I Learned to Stop Worrying and Love the Alamo. Um, and that <laughs> Hank finds out that Bobby's new Texas history textbook hardly even mentions the Alamo. Uh, he teams up with Bruce Tuttle, an aspiring writer-director, to produce a play about the Alamo. However, Bruce ends up creating a revisionist version of the story, and despite Hank's disgust, Bobby must participate in the play to get extra credit and avoid summer school. I remember, I vaguely remember this episode, but I, that really, if anything, just adds to the case mm. of, of just just uh, giving this to the Alamo. And the Dennis, Dennis Quaid movie. Um, you know, people keep yeah. saying uh, to go back and watch King of the Hill. I've never really, like, seriously watched it. Maybe I should. It's 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 great. It's people a great seem show. People love it. People it's a great it. show. Um, it's uh, by the way that the episode I was referencing earlier is called Yankee Hanky. Mm, clever. Uh, premiered February fourth, two thousand one. Um, when Hank determines to get a special Native Texan license plate for his truck, he first seeks out his birth certificate. Certain it will come into play. However, um, Hank discovers that uh, first discovers he might might have been adopted, but to his horror, Dale determines that his true place of birth is New York, New York. Um, and then basically that, like like I said before, he goes on a quest to prove that he's a true born Texan. Wonderful. Um, the episode ends with him sarcastically remarking uh, that. Uh, if you're if you get a connecting flight in Dallas, you're a Texan. It's wonderful. Gotta count it. Worth uh yeah, basically like yeah, yeah. Texan pride. Great episode. Great show. Um 
give it don't don't judge it on the first episode that you see uh, as many people do just give it some time time to kind of marinate sure. it's one of those shows that has to marinate no a lot of episodes so yeah i would say see. i would say give it give it a shot maybe maybe like you can make up your mind like five or six episodes in i guarantee it does it has something for everyone now matt uh just quickly final thoughts gettysburg yeah. or the alamo mm-hmm. your winner uh, Sean, I guess my overall winner in this one would be the Alamo. The Alamo. All right. Yeah. And at this point, it doesn't matter what I vote, uh, because Gettysburg really hasn't won much. I'm going to vote for Gettysburg anyway, but the Alamo will continue on in our bracket to face the winner of this next matchup, the iconic man-made structures, uh, big engineering product projects, the gateway arch in St. Louis, Missouri, and the Hoover Dam in the border of Nevada and Arizona, Matt. The Gateway Arch is a 630-foot monument uh, in St. Louis. It is the world's tallest arch, the tallest man-made monument in the Western Hemisphere, and Missouri's tallest accessible building. Uh, It was built as a monument to westward expansions of the U.S. uh, and officially dedicated to the American people. Um, it is, uh, it was designed by Finnish American architect Eero Saarinen in 1947. Construction began in 1963 and was completed in 1965 at a cost of $13 million. Um, fun fact, despite the optical illusion, the Gateway Arch is exactly as wide as it is tall. It's also one of the most visited tourist attractions in the world, over 4 million visitors annually, of which about 1 million travel to the top. It will be going up against the Hoover Dam. Uh, the famous dam constructed between 1931 and 1936 during the Great Depression. It is 726 feet from Foundation Rock to the roadway at the crest of the dam and weighs more than 6.6 million tons. Uh, The heavily traveled U.S. Route 93 ran across the dam's crest until October 2010 when the Hoover Dam Bypass Bridge opened. Uh, And a sort of mini fun fact here, the Bureau of Reclamation, the department subsidizing the project, supplied a whopping 3.25 million cubic yards of concrete for the dam itself, plus another 1.11 million cubic yards for the power plant and additional facilities. That's enough to build 3,000 miles of road, a full-size highway from one end of the United States to the other. Hmm. We got some big stuff here. Uh... Yeah, um, so I, I'm not going to be much use in this bracket, Sean. Uh, just saying, I, I haven't I haven't really visited either one. Uh, in terms of aesthetics, I'm going to give Gateway Arch a two. Okay. I don't really I don't I don't find it that creative. I, I don't really find it that like nice to look at. I mean, it certainly has become iconic over the years, but. I mean, that that can only really go take it so far, I think. So, um, yeah, I'm gonna go ahead and and give it a two on that on that uh, aesthetics. Um, what do you think? What are your thoughts? I mean, Matt, I couldn't disagree with you more. I I think I mean okay. the Hoover Dam aesthetically, it's a dam. I mean, there there it's a dam. It's a big gray concrete thing. I mean, it's neat because it's big, but aesthetically, there's not much interesting going on there. Uh, the arch is incredible. I mean, it's it's the biggest arch ever constructed. Do you know when they started building it? They obviously started from the two points at the ground and met at the top. There were people who thought they wouldn't meet at the top. They thought they would miss each other. Because something like this had never been built before. And the best part is, it's in St. Louis. Why the hell is it in St. Louis? That's crazy. It's a They, they just made a giant arch. And they invented <sighs> a special elevator that can go up into the arch. Why would anybody want to do that? 
because it's tall. People like going on tall things. We've got several tall things here. You can the Statue of Liberty, the Empire State Building, uh, you know, uh, the Lincoln Memorial. No, that's not a tall thing. Why did I say that? Uh, but there are lots of tall things in here you can get on top of. People love that kind of shit. And it's the Gateway Arch. It's just weird. It's weird and it's cool looking and it's got a great silhouette and it's illegal to fly planes through it, which I learned. Uh, and you get in big trouble if you do that, though people have. Uh, and so I, for me, it's absolutely the arch. This isn't even close in aesthetics. Uh, I'm still not buying it, Sean. I, I, I still. So am are you not, not picking a winner convinced. in this or are you picking the Hoover Dam? I, honestly, I, I could care less about this, this right. section. You, um, just, you don't have to pick anything. That's fine. <laughs> you're, you're absolutely allowed to do that, Matt. We make the me, rules here. Let me, let me just Google a picture of the, the Hoover Dam. I mean, it's a it's a big dam, Matt. They, I you could draw it, and it would be pretty accurate. Listen, again, uh, the cool thing is it's big. That's that's the gimmick of the Hoover Dam. It is very big. That's it, true. It was the world's biggest for quite a while. It's not anymore. Can you can you go inside the Hoover Dam, Sean? I don't know. Uh, My research it, did not uncover that. I don't really think so. And even if you did, there's really there's a power plant. There's really not much to see. It's not like a museum. If you believe the Transformers movie, that's where they keep up. Uh, they keep uh, Megatron. Okay. Before I've he never seen the Transformers movie. Um, yeah. It, can't can't say that I would care for it if I did. Uh, it looks. The first one was good. I will stand by okay. that opinion. The rest of them were not, but the first one was good. Keep in mind. Yeah, you're you're on tape. You can't take that back. I'll now. say it to anybody. I'll look, I'll say it to your face. It's not a secret. Look, it's it's a it's kind of one of those like goofy, fun popcorn movies, the first one. It's not particularly well acted or well made, but it is interesting and it is fun to watch. The other ones are awful, but anyway, that's a bit off topic. All right, Sean. I, I think I'm gonna give you I'm gonna give you full emergency powers here to choose the winner between the Gateway Arch care. and the Hoover Dam. You I just really don't, don't care. Uh, whatever one makes it in the next round, I think, uh, it's going to have its work cut out for it against the Alamo. So, okay. Well, I disagree. I'm picking the, the gateway arch cause the gateway arch is awesome and it's going to thrash the Alamo in the next okay. round. So All right, we'll see. That's my prediction. Gateway arch. gateway arch moving on. I'm glad you mentioned that Matt, because we're 45 minutes into the episode and have done half the landmarks. So we're going to pick up the pace here and we're going to keep rolling, um, with our next matchup. And this is the. Uh, the sort of monument matchup, I guess. Uh, and it is the Statue of Liberty, New York, New York, against the Washington Monument in Washington, D.C. Matt, have you been to uh, to these? I know you've been to the Washington Monument. Um, I have been to, I've definitely been to both of them. Uh, I've been up both of them. I've been inside both of them. You got up in there? I got up in both of them. Several um, times, actually. I have never been to the Statue of Liberty, actually. I'm not a real New Yorker like you, so uh, I didn't get the opportunity. I can tell. Yeah, really? You can? <laughs> I'm shocked. I usually keep that a secret. Mm. Um, now, Matt, the Statue of Liberty, a copper statue, a gift from the people of France to the people of the United States, was designed by French sculptor Frédéric Augusti Barthes, and its metal framework was built by the one and only Gustave Eiffel. Um, it is a figure of uh, Libertas, the, a robed 
Roman liberty goddess. She holds a torch above her head with her right hand, and her left hand carries a tablet inscribed with Roman numerals July IV MD CCL XXVI or July 4th, 1776. Uh, it was built in France and shipped overseas in crates where it was reassembled here in the U.S. It measures 300 feet from the ground to the tip of the flame and is as tall as a 22-story building. In 1886, when it was constructed, it was the tallest structure in New York City. Fun fact, the seven rays from the statue's crown represent the seven seas and continents of the world. Going up against the Washington Monument, located almost due east of the reflecting pool, um, it is made of marble, granite, and bluestone. It's the world's tallest predominantly stone structure and the world's tallest obelisk, standing 554 feet tall. Uh, It's the tallest monumental column in the world, um, if all are measured above their pedestrian entrances. It was the tallest structure in the world up until 1889 when it was overtaken by the Eiffel Tower. Uh, Fun fact, the monument is made of freestanding masonry, which means there is no cement holding those blocks together. They just stay there in place. Um, And also another fun fact, the trowel used to lay the cornerstone of the monument was the same trowel used by George Washington to lay the cornerstone of the Capitol in 1793. Matt, what what do we think of these two, starting with... The aesthetics, um, I'll start. I think the Washington Monument should get some credit. I know it's easy to say it's just a big gray pillar, but I think it's pretty and it's neat because it changes colors halfway through, which is another fun fact I won't get into. But I do think it's actually quite neat. Um, They also have a very nice visitor experience inside um, going up and and the story they tell and getting to the top. It's, It's nice inside and out, but I think the Statue of Liberty has a better aesthetic. It is a unique statue in its color um in its material in in the torch and the crown um and i think putting them side by side i just think from a design standpoint there's just a lot to like about the statue i'm going to take the statue of liberty on this matt what do you think um yeah now i i i think that the the washington monument is Historically, it's a, it's a it's an it's a creative idea, even though it may, it may not look it. It's very misleading. You know, it's it's an obelisk. Uh, it harkens back to the days of ancient Egypt or even um, ancient Rome, the architecture, and uh, it, it's very it is very unique. I mean, in that in that in that, not many cities like no other city can really claim that central monument you know that's that style yeah so to speak um it is and it, and it is iconic without being um ornate it, it kind of accomplishes what the gateway arch sets out to do which is like use simplicity um to it, it's it's sim- simplicity but simplicity at its best in terms of of of, of making it iconic um, however, I will give this aesthetic wise, I'll give it to the Statue of Liberty. I think Statue of Liberty, Hey, I, I'm, I'm going to go ahead and give it a five out of five in, in wow. terms of aesthetics. I think it's, I think it's wow. so cool. Um, the Statue of Liberty has not only a great tourist experience. If you're visiting, it has a science center, the Liberty science center. That doesn't nearby. make any sense. It's, it's near, it's not in the Statue of Liberty, but it's right. It's very close to on it. the Island. Um, yeah, I think I think it is. I, I want to say yes. I want to say it's also. Who thought it was a good idea to put a science island. center on the island? Not on the same island as the statue, but it, it's on a, it's on a nearby island. 
Ellis Island? Island? How many islands Bay. are there? There's a couple of little islands in there. In and the one Bay. of them it has a science center. Are you sure yeah, that's not like a Liberty a, Science Center, an evil you know, layer for like an evil scientist or something? Because that sounds like a under, movie. It might be underneath. Yeah, maybe deep underneath the Liberty Science Center, but it's um, yeah, it's there. Okay. A lot of people don't know this. Statue of Liberty, um, is actually in New Jersey. It's it's a uh, I didn't even it's know a Jersey that. thing. Isn't it? Leave me on that. I don't even know, Matt. Is it in international wanna, waters? Can I we even invite count that? A, I want to invite our um, I want to invite our listeners to investigate my claim further. I I claim it's it's part of New Jersey. You claim it. All right, Matt claims it. I do. Take that I, for what you will. I'll stand by it. Liberty Science <laughs> Center is great. If you've never right. been there, by the way, excellent. I haven't been there in a really long time, Sean. I went on a field trip in fourth grade. I think that might have been the last time I experienced the Liberty Science Center. But I'm sure it hasn't changed at all. It's very cool. Uh, I'm sure it got even better since then. I'm optimistic well, about science it. has gotten better. So, yeah. Uh, um, now, now, what about uh, what about culturally? The cultural relevance of these two buildings. Of course, Statue of Liberty. This is a tough one. Famous. It's a tough one. Famous in the film X Men, part of Magneto's evil plan, have a big fight scene on top of the Statue of Liberty. Sure. Uh, it's also in The Godfather. You know, one of the best movies of all haven't, time. Haven't seen it. Godfather Two, I should say. It's in the Godfather mm-hmm. Part Two, um, when Vito Corleone is is um, coming to America for the first, and he sees the Statue of Liberty, the iconic moment um, when he get when he makes it to uh, to the United States, um, and the Washington Monument. What? Where's the cultural relevance there? A, a big set piece in the uh, latest Spider-Man film, Spider-Man Homecoming. They, there's a big oh. scene that takes place there. That's that's really disappointing. That's that movie's too new, Sean, for mm. to make it to make a cultural impact. Mm. Uh, also, I haven't seen it. Oh well, I but I, I will don't say don't really care for for uh, Spider-Man. I think the most important Spider-Man's all right. The most know. important of all of these is when the Statue of Liberty comes alive in Ghostbusters 2. Terrorizes the city. No, don't remember that? What's that? The uh... Ghostbusters 2. Oh, yeah, sure. Comes alive, terrorizes the city. It does, yeah. Mm-hmm. In, in literally the exact same scene as the Stay Puft Marshmallow Man from the first one. Classic, yeah. Uh... Sean, I'm gonna I'm gonna go ahead and give this to the Statue of Liberty. I think that's uh, yeah, I think so. That's kind of the decision here. I'm gonna agree with you. And then overall, Matt, I will say my piece for for the Washington Monument though. It is cool to get to the top and see. You could literally see all of DC, uh, and and you can look out in in any direction and see you know all the cool monuments and things that DC has to offer. But you can do the same with the Statue of Liberty. Although it's closed a lot of the time, but then again, so is Washington Monument. But you can get out out of the Statue of Liberty and kind of look out onto the Hudson Bay, look out into uh, and see Manhattan out there. Uh, but I think just overall, the aesthetics is, are what win, wins uh, owed over for Statue of Liberty. Yeah, just I, as, as much more iconic. Frankly, my overall vote would be for the Washington Monument because. You know, one of the things we're not grading on here is is technical. How technical? Maybe that maybe we'll use that in the next round. But 
the, the Washington, you know, the Statue of Liberty, again, interesting. It's just a statue. I mean, it was so easy they could take it apart in France and rebuild it here. The Washington Monument is an engineering feat. Like I mentioned, there's no cement holding those blocks together. It's a freestanding structure with a heavy point on the top of it that they've managed to keep together all of these years. Uh, it is, in some ways, an engineering marvel. So I think it is pretty a pretty interesting building, but I think I'm with you, Matt. I think the Statue of Liberty is going to continue on in our challenge to the next round where it's going to face the winner of our next matchup. And we got another New York, New York classic, the Empire State Building against Alcatraz Island in San Francisco. Now, of course, the Empire State Building completed in 1931, a roof height of 1,250 feet, stands a total of 1,454 feet, including its antenna. As of 2017, the fifth tallest completed skyscraper in the U.S. and the 28th tallest in the world. Uh, A fun fact about the Empire State Building, uh, you may have noticed its unusual uh, tower at the top. It's 200-foot tower. It was originally constructed as a mast as a docking point for lighter-than-air dirigibles. Um, The idea is that airships would maneuver alongside the building, tether themselves, passengers would exit uh, via a gangplank, check in at a customs office, and make their ways to the Manhattan streets in a mere seven minutes. Despite the enthusiasm for the project, high winds near the building's rooftop proved all but impossible for pilots to negotiate. Um, They only managed to get a blimp there once as a publicity stunt, but it was abandoned shortly after. It is going up against Alcatraz Island, located in San Francisco Bay, one and a quarter mile offshore from San Francisco. Uh, A small island developed with a lighthouse, a military fortification, a military prison, and a federal prison from 1934 till 1963, um, where it became a national landmark in 1986. Uh, The abandoned prison, um, uh, let's see, uh, it was initially declared a fort, um, a military reservation in 1850 by President Millard Fillmore in 1859. Uh, Two years before the Civil War began, troops moved in to defend the Bay Area. In 1907, it became a U.S. military prison uh, and remained one until 1933, where it was transferred to the Bureau of Prisons to become a traditional prison. Um, The island measures 1,675 feet by 590 feet, uh, and the average number of prisoners on site was about 260 at any time. Hmm. Okay. I have where, a lot of fun facts. Um, uh, I have a fun fact. I okay. have a fun fact. Hey, bring it on. That. It's a personal fun fact, John. Sure. Uh, my grandpa helped build the Empire State Building. Really? Go on. He was, uh, yeah, he was on the construction crew um, when it was first being built, when, whenever that was, uh, back in... I just said it gosh. and then I forgot it. Nineteen. It was completed in 1931. 1931. There you go. Yeah, Matt, the building was uh, assembled in about 400 days. An average crew of 3,400 workers at any given time were working on site, one of the fastest uh, construction projects in history. Yep. Yep, yep. Um, I guess you really are a New Yorker. I take back what I said. (laughs) Hey, I'm walking here. Well, you are walking here. So so I I, – let's start out with the aesthetics. Um. What do you think about Art Deco? I live for Art Deco. Art Deco is amazing. Do you? Authentic Art Deco. Replica Art Deco, not so much. But like the Chrysler building and the the so, GE building and all these I sort mean, of... Yeah, Empire State Building is is, is a, another that famous, era. Yeah, famous example of the Art Deco style. I think Art Deco is pretty cool. I think it's great. The problem is it makes for a crappy building to like live and work in. Like, I wouldn't want to work in the Empire sure. State Building because everything is small and old and crappy. Mm-hmm. But 
Really cool to look at. Really iconic. Great shape. I love how the Art Deco, it, something about it just captures the zeitgeist of of the of the time, you know, Absolutely. the time period, the pre-World War One time period, just kind of frozen in there. It's like the, it's like the the um, the early 20th century looking to the future and like us looking back into the past is how we would evaluate Art Deco. Yeah. Um, but, uh, you know, other, other than that, it's got, I mean, it's got the, it's got the art deco style going for it, but other than that, it's, uh, and the fact that it's, it's tall, tallest building in, in Manhattan. And it's great because, you know, modern skyscrapers, it's all about curves and it's all about glass and it's all about shapes. But back then it was like, it's just a big blocky friggin' building like that's it mm. i mean it does remind me a little bit of kind of the world trade center building the original world trade center's buildings a little bit where it's like they're just big and blocky and I, there's something mm. to me really about that where it's got this big chunky base and then they built this tower on top to see how high they could make it like i don't know there's just something really neat about that where they didn't have computers to build this someone just had to figure this shit out so you know there, there's something yeah. to that alcatraz island on the other hand it's a prison on an island in a bay. I don't think there's much aesthetics to it other than being wind beaten and salt beaten. And I hear it's very nice. Yeah. I've never been. I, the, the thing about Alcatraz, it's hard to gauge its aesthetics because it, it, it you know, it was a prison. So it's kind of like they didn't, they didn't build it with aesthetics in mind. How, you know, that being said, if you were to take the full aesthetics of, of the San Francisco Bay, now that 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 area is, it, you know, it is it is very nice. It is very very beautiful. Um, it is very picturesque. But the building itself, you know, like you said, it's a prison. It's not supposed to be aesthetically beautiful or or pretty. And and we're not, you know, it's not Hudson Bay versus San Francisco Bay. Right. It's, this competition is Empire State Building versus Alcatraz Island. Um, on a, so I, I have to give the aesthetics to the Empire State Building. Yeah, I'm going to agree with you on that. Um, but what do you think about cultural relevance? Of course, Empire State Building, iconic in a, in a large number of ways. Of course, King Kong may be perhaps the most famous Empire State reference. Right. Um, King Kong climbing to the top of the empire state building is one of the most iconic moments in, in film in, in, you know, in of all time Alcatraz Island, you know, you've got the backstory with Al Capone, you've got the rock, which is a terrific, unbelievably good movie, Mm -hmm. um, featuring Sean Connery and, uh, Nick Cage, right? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Great movie. Um, but, I think uh, for for cultural relevance, you got to give it to the Empire State Building. They named the whole state. The whole state got got a nickname because of it. Actually, man, it was the Empire State before the the building was named. Yes, the building was named after the state. Is this another Matt claims thing? Listen, this is a chicken and egg situation here. I think it's up for our viewers to decide. We'll let it be their their decision. I ain't waiting. I'm just gonna Google it and get to the answer. Because uh, <laughs> because I'm not willing to to wait here. Um, there are several theories to the origin of the name. 
Uh, two of them involve George Washington uh, proclaiming uh, George Washington uh, proclaimed New York the seat of an empire. Yeah, but he he didn't call it the Empire State, Sean. No, but that's... that was just came from the building. No, it. No, it they didn't. Built, it, they said this is the Empire State Building. They said it, there can be no other name. No, the, <laughs> this is the name that was prophesized. And then the the state of New York earned its nickname from the building. Matt, it says here it's the only way. There's no there's no other way. There's no other explanation. In 1820, the name had caught on. Even if, and then by 1940, there were books guided to the Empire State. The Empire State Building opened in 1931. It had been around for a hundred years before the building. Uh, this is this is very clearly fake news, Sean. You're you're being lied to by by the mainstream media. The Empire State the, Express the train state, line the was established was named after, 50 years before the building. The state was named after the building. I'm telling you, trust me. I'm a New Yorker. Okay, a New Yorker. I can't argue with that. True and true. At all. Uh, but I will say, I do want to give some, I, I think for me, cultural, actually, I'm going to give it to Alcatraz. And I think the reason is that I think the myth of Alcatraz, the stories, the tales are more interesting than the Empire State Building, which is, by all respects, a building. It's not like the the the, the arch in St. Louis. It's just, it's just a building. I mean, it's tall, which is cool. And it's neat to look at, but it's really just a build. It's like a, people work there. Like it's not, it's not like a <laughs> memorial or it's not. It's just a building, you know. But Alcatraz, it's it's. It, could, could anyone ever escape? Did people escape? Who was there it, when it was shut down as a prison? And there's a whole bunch of stories about its whole history. Um, I'm gonna give it to. We'll split that one. Um, the cultural relevance, and then Matt, we have to ask, what's your overall um, winner in this match? Um. My overall winner, yeah, I think Empire State Building. It's got to be the Empire State Building. Uh, I, in terms of cultural relevance, you know, it has the name of the state right in it, Empire State. Uh, It's it's iconic. Whenever people go to New York City, you know, the general stereotype is they go to visit the Empire State Building first, first and foremost, even before the Statue of Liberty. The first thought is usually, you know, seems to be, you know, take me to the Empire State Building. Take me to to, to see that. It's last to the test of time else. for sure. So, um, well, Empire is going to win. It's going to move on to the next round. It's going to face yeah. the Statue of Liberty in the all New York battle. And interestingly enough, Matt, I find this suspicious. All three of our New York entries have moved on to the next round. Can't explain that. And two of them be San Francisco items. They they sure did. Hmm. Can't explain that. I don't know. It just it 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 is yeah, what it is. Total coincidence. Um. Now in our next matchup, Matt Washington D.C. is right now 0 for one with the Washington Monument losing. Can they have a comeback with the next matchup, the matchup of the presidents, Lincoln Memorial in Washington D.C. versus Mount Rushmore in Keystone, South Dakota? Start with Mount Rushmore sculptor Gutzan. Borglum uh, created these sculptures, designed and oversaw the project from 1927 to 1941. The sculptures feature 60-foot-tall heads of George Washington, Thomas Jefferson, Theodore Roosevelt, and Abraham Lincoln. It took 14 years to complete. Over that time, some 400 workers erected the sculpture, removing 410,000 tons of rock. Uh, That's going up against the Lincoln Memorial, uh, the monument in Washington, D.C., to the 16th president of the United States, Abraham Lincoln. Um, 
The uh, William H. Taft dedicated the memorial on May of 1922, presented it to President Warren G. Harding. Um, Lincoln's only surviving son was in attendance that day. Um, fun fact. Hmm. Uh, that's not really a fun fact. That's all I got to say about the Lincoln <laughs> Memorial. I got a bunch of other facts, but they're not very interesting. Matt, Mount Rushmore, Lincoln Memorial, two big presidents here going head to head, starting with the aesthetics. I'll kick us off. You know, I think the biggest thing the Lincoln Memorial has going for it, it has a building around it. So you got a little more to judge, right? I think if you were just doing the heads versus Lincoln in his in his throne chair, um, I'd probably give it to the president's head. But God, the Lincoln Memorial's got that awesome Greek column looking building around it. Um, That's right. Of which one of my fun facts is that uh, more than half of the construction is actually underneath it. It extends 66 feet into the earth at its deepest point to support the weight of the marble structure. So it's an enormous structure that they built versus carving it out of stone. So I think visually, while big head presidents are cool, I think the building and the statue itself are more aesthetically impressive. So I'm going to give it to the Lincoln Memorial on this one. What do you think, Matt? Um, We've agreed a lot in this. I should point out. We have. So why not? I'm going to go ahead and disagree with you here. <laughs> Just for the wow. hell of it. Wow. Damn. I, I haven't even been to Mount Rushmore, but I think – Mount Rushmore is uh, just just a totally unique and um, brilliant spectacle for the American tourist. Okay. Like, there's no other place. Think about it. like we have monuments, we have memorials all over the place, but how often are they carved literally right into the side of a rock? You know, it doesn't really happen very often. You don't really see that. All the I mean, time. there's a couple other places where that's happened. Where, but where? In, in in the United States? Do you yeah, see that? Yeah, no, there are a couple. There's a what's the one of the the Indian Carved right into a rock? Yeah, that. But that's that's uh, you're thinking of of Crazy Horse. Yes, that, that's right across the way from the from the uh, the Mount Rushmore. It's actually no, supposed it still to be supposed to be like they're like facing each other, which I think just adds to the brilliance of Mount Rushmore. Rushmore. Uh, it, like, I think that that whole concept is really cool. That was that was the original intention, I think, was supposed to be like that. The two of them facing each other, if I remember correctly, yeah. like Crazy Horse and then the, the presidents. Uh, it, it just I think it adds to the but then they never fin they never finished the Crazy Horse Memorial. It's unfinished. Uh, I think the, the guy gave up halfway through or something, something like that. Um. But Sean, can you let me ask you this? When you go to the Lincoln Memorial, are you allowed to get anywhere near the statue? Like, can you sit on the Lincoln Memorial's lap? Uh, not if security keeps removing me. Yeah, exactly. Do you know at Mount Rushmore, you could do whatever you want. You can climb all over the place, I'm pretty sure. I don't know. I've never actually been there. Wow, another Matt claims. I'm pretty sure you can just do whatever you want. Listen, cultural relevance. You can pick George all Washington's saying, nose. You know, you've got you've got the you've got the sure you've got the um the I have a dream speech in front of the Lincoln Memorial, but sure. Sean, have you ever seen the uh, Hitchcock film North by Northwest? Believe it or not, Matt, I actually have. That's a great movie. Really? I've seen like I think three Hitchcock movies. That's one of them. Great movie. Color me surprised. I I, I really, I really was it. not expecting yeah. you to. I like yeah. Hitchcock. I keep meaning to watch more of it. And what's funny is I've never seen any of his iconic ones. Like uh, I've I've seen I've, I haven't seen Rear Window, The Birds. I haven't seen I've seen North by Northwest, Marnie, with Sean Connery, 
and Frenzy, which was one of the ones he did in Europe. That's actually a very good movie. If you get a chance to see Frenzy, that's a great Frenzy? movie. Frenzy? Yes. That's now, see, uh, yeah, I, I really, I haven't seen as much Hitch, Hitchcock yeah. as I should have yeah. by far. Um, but that's a great scene in North by Northwest. But I love, I love North by Northwest. I'm a huge, huge fan of it. Um, one of my, one of my favorite all time movies gotta be, uh, I think that the, you know, the, yeah, there's that iconic scene at the end where he runs around and, you know, goes all over the place. on top of the head. Yeah. yeah. They fight on top of it. Uh, so culturally I gotta give it, I gotta give it to Mount Rushmore. But, Matt, but you gotta remember, of course, the Lincoln Memorial famously portrayed on screen in everyone's favorite film. Forrest Gump wrong also <laughs> never seen it the uh the iconic tim burton mark Wahlberg planet of the apes remake where at the end mark Wahlberg oh, comes oh, back oh. to earth oh. and it's not lincoln it's monkey lincoln god damn that's like negative five points <laughs> i forgot that in, movie in one existed. of the dumbest twists in movie history I totally forgot that movie even existed until you just mentioned I'm it. I'm sure Tim and Burton also wishes it didn't exist. My life is now much worse because you just mentioned it. You're welcome. My gift to you. God, I, I, I was hoping that movie was just a terrible fever dream. Nope. Crap. Nope. So Wait. I think we're we're both going to vote for Mount Rushmore on that one. Uh, for so. cultural. And then overall, Matt, Lincoln Memorial, Mount Rushmore. Got to pick a winner. Uh, I got to pick a, a winner between the two. Uh, I'm going to go with the Lincoln Memorial. Ha! Spoiler. Or a uh, uh, plot twist, whatever. I'm surprised. I, I think the Lincoln Memorial is cool. I, I, I think that it's it, the best part about the Lincoln Memorial is that there's stuff around it. There's nothing around the Washington Monument. I mean the uh, Mount Rushmore. It's just It's just out in the middle of nowhere. But see, that's funny to me because I'm going to pick Mount Rushmore because I like the natural element of it. Now, I, know, I know I said aesthetically I like the building, but overall, I like the fact that it's just a mountain with heads on it. Like, that's neat. Like, they, people build buildings all the time. You don't – this is – it's uncommon. That's kind of like the arch. It's kind of my same argument where it's just bizarre that you just, like, turn your head and, holy shit, there are a bunch of faces in this mountain. Some guy just used dynamite to make. Like, that's cr – again, technically – you got to give it up to the Washington Monument. They, 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 or the uh, Mount Rushmore. They used dynamite to make it. They literally that is blew cool. the faces with dynamite. That That's is really crazy. Cool. So I'm going to give it up to Mount Rushmore. Cool. And Matt, believe it or not, based on our scores here, Mount Rushmore wins. Mount Rushmore wins. How about that? Moving on to the next round, facing the winner of our final matchup this evening, Matt. Thank God because we're an hour and fifteen minutes. So hope people are enjoying this bonus content. Um, I sort of call this the touristy sort of uh, family destination bracket, I guess. It's not really, I don't know, big, I don't know. It's the Kennedy Space Center in uh, Florida versus Disneyland in Anaheim, California. Um, the Kennedy Space Center uh, began in uh, 1968. It's uh, since 1968. It's been NASA's primary launch center for human spaceflight. There are about 700 facilities and buildings grouped across the center's 144,000 acres. Um, unique uh, buildings include the 525-foot-tall vehicle assembly building, where they actually assemble the rockets. It's the fourth-largest freestanding building in the world. Um, it has been the launch site for every U.S. manned spaceflight since 1968. Uh, it's also a uh, 
it's also a important wildlife sanctuary. Only 9% of the land is developed, um, and it takes place, uh, it has several wildlife refuges in there. Going up against Disneyland, um, developed by Walt Disney in the 30s and 40s, um, Disney bought a 160-acre lot in Anaheim in 1953, construction beginning in 54 and opening in 1955. Uh, it has a larger cumulative attendance than any other theme park in the world, with over 708 million visitors since it opened in 2017, 18.3 million visitors, by far the most visited attraction in the list that we've shared today. Uh, it originally opened with 18 attractions and now has 51, and that doesn't include Disney's California Adventure Next Door. And a fun fact, Disneyland estimates that they sell more than 2.8 million churros every year. Churros? Churro, huh. A lot of churros. 2.8 million. 2.8 million churros. A lot of churros. So an, an interesting matchup here, Matt. Yeah. Mm. You said you've been to Kennedy Space Center, right? I have been. I went uh, when I was young. I must have been maybe seven or eight. But I do remember it. Because I went to the touristy parts. Uh, they how are the launching rockets. Um, it's nice. It's nice. The problem is it's it's near Orlando. So it's like you can go to Disney World, you can go to Universal Studios, or you can go to Kennedy Space Center. Like, it's kind of an after. If you're really into space, it's cool. Um, but it's kind of, it's got a lot of competition in the region. That's the issue. I would recommend if you're in Houston, go to Johnson space center. That is a really great, they do a very nice job there. Uh, if you ever have the opportunity, but, um, where mission control is, but, uh, no, Kennedy space center is very nice. They got the big rockets in the building and you can tour. They got all kinds of demonstrations and they take you around a little cart. You see the big buildings. It's very nice. They do a very nice job. They do a very nice job. Interesting. I mean, they don't really launch a lot out of there anymore. It's mostly like satellites and small rockets, obviously. Not as active as it used to be. All right. Um, I, I, I have to say I haven't been to either one of mm. these locations. I'm trying to look up as much as I can right now. And uh, and it, looks, it really looks like the Kennedy Space Center uh, – is very, you know, surprisingly got a lot going on here. Yeah, I mean, you know, it's it's a lot of, it's where they're developing parts for the space station. It's where they're mm. developing transportation vehicles of the future. A lot of development goes on there. The actual, like, human space survival, like space suits and things like that they do in Houston. Uh, they have a center there for that. But the actual vehicles and stuff is prime, is a lot in um, in Florida at the Kennedy Space Center. Of course, it's where they assemble the rockets um, and wheel them out to, that's where all the launch pads are. Um, it's a nice facility out there. The issue is, if we start talking aesthetics, Kennedy Space Center, not a lot to look at. It's a lot of runways. It's a lot of launch pads. There are a few cool buildings. I think Disneyland, by far, has to win aesthetics. I mean, it's a goddamn theme park, for God's sakes. There's yeah. just so much more to look at than what's going on at the Kennedy Space Center. Right. I it's, would argue. It's built around. It's built totally built around the aesthetics. I think it's it's a it's a good it's a strength. It's a category it's going to do well in, no matter who it's up into account. Yeah, Yeah, indeed. Mm -hmm. But when you look at the cultural relevance, this one's I think is a little tougher because of course Disneyland, as I mentioned, the most visited theme park. uh, Actually, technically the second most visited theme park, Magic Kingdom in Orlando does get more visitors, but the second most visited theme park in the world. However, the Kennedy Space Center, I mean, a moment in history. I mean, that talk about historical relevance. The, the mission to the moon was launched from the Kennedy Space Center. 
You know, the space shuttle launched many times from the Kennedy Space Center. I mean, a really important, all of uh, NASA's great science space history happened at the Kennedy Space Center. I mean, it really is, you could argue there and the Johnson Space Center in Houston really are the, the two primary sites for space travel in the U.S. So um, certainly in a historical cultural sense, uh, very relevant. Hmm. Interesting, interesting. Um, this is a tough one. This is a tough one. I, uh, going in, I was a little bit, I was kind of inclined to give it to Disneyland, but now I'm kind of doing a, a little bit of a, a little bit of a reconsideration here and think I'm thinking more, leaning more toward Kennedy. So, Specifically on cultural relevance, who do you think wins? Cultural relevance alone, it's got to be Disneyland, mm. I think. I think okay. it's, you know, um, Dis Disney, the, 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 the specter of Disney has consumed all, pretty much all media. Sure. You know, for the past 40, 50 years going on. Um, but... The the thing with this the space is that while Kennedy Space Center is an iconic landmark for sure, you also have the city of Houston, right? Which which where like center you know com, mission, command mission control yeah. mission mission control is located yeah, and I think that that can be it can be argued that that is you know the same if not more level of of, of cultural relevance as sure. Kennedy Space. Absolutely. So, yeah, and and with you know going from that, going from that mindset, I, I gotta say I gotta give it to Disneyland. Matt, I'm gonna disagree with you on the cultural okay. relevance piece because I do think again we're defining culture in a lot of different ways. I think from a movie and TV sort of that type of pop culture, I agree Disneyland definitely more relevant. But I I really think some credit has to be given to the Kennedy Space Center for its historical significance in a way that Disneyland simply cannot compete with. Um, and uh, it, it, the the sort of science element to it, I'm I'm going to give it to the space center on the on that one. But Matt, we got to talk overall. You got to pick. You got to pick a winner between these two. It's a tough one. I do. Yeah, they're two very different. Probably the two because we kind of group these by similar types. But these might be some of the two most different we had to talk about tonight. So where do you think between these Kennedy Space Center, Disneyland, who is your winner? Um, between Kennedy and. In Disneyland, yeah. Disneyland. My winner is, gosh. And you got to remember, Matt, though this really shouldn't factor in your decision, one. the winner mm -hmm. is going to take on Mount Rushmore next week. I, I, I got to, my personal winner is still going to be, it's going to be Disneyland. Okay. I, I'm going to Disneyland. That's the, you know, that, that iconic statement. Uh, it, it's, it's. Per, so pervasive in the culture in a way that I think Kennedy Space Center just isn't. It's not, you know, when we say, well, I think when the first person, if you were to ask any Joe out on the street, if they've heard of Disneyland, of course they've heard of Disneyland. Have they heard of the Kennedy Space Center? Maybe, but, you know, I, th I think there, there's still a few, a few who haven't, who maybe haven't. I'm just going to, I'm going to give it to Disney, Disneyland personally. Matt, I, on that one. Totally hear what you're saying. I don't disagree with any of that. 
I, mm-hmm. I think it's a it's a tough matchup either way. Frankly, when I was making this bracket, there are less U.S. landmarks than you would think. Uh, so <laughs> had to throw in a couple. Um, mm. But uh, but I agree with you. And Disneyland is going to move on to the next round, Matt. And that's it. We've gone through all 16 landmarks, all eight matches this evening. Um some contentious, some less so. I think the bridges were probably our most contentious back and forth. Oh, um, sure. Let's do a very, very quick recap of what we'll be he- seeing next week are four matches that will lead us even closer to determining a winner. First up in our uh, natural landmarks versus bridge battle, the Grand Canyon versus the Brooklyn Bridge. Hmm. We'll also see in terms of uh, historical places, we'll see the Alamo taking on the Gateway Arch in St. Louis, Missouri. We will also see uh, the Battle of New York, the Statue of Liberty taking on the Empire State Building. And lastly, we will see uh, the uh, Mount Rushmore taking on Disneyland. So those will be our matchups next week. We'll use a whole different set of metrics to to confuse everything, which will be fun. Next week, we're going to take those eight, narrow them down to four, narrow them down to two, and then finally have one winner by the end of the episode. You're not going to want to miss it um, as we declare the number one U.S. Landmark. It's going to be a great episode. We got to wrap up this one, though. Thanks, everybody, for joining us. Hope you had as much fun as we did going through this. Mm. Uh, Everything about the show is on our website, upfordebate.tv. Go there, get the latest episodes. You can also check out the archive. Just click the archive button, see all of our past episodes. You can also click the subscribe button and get every link to where you can get the show, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, um, Overcast, Stitcher, any major podcast app. We're there. You can also get the video version on YouTube. And, of course, you can... Reach out to us. Tell us how dumb we were this evening and how this doesn't make any sense and why are you guys doing this. Uh, use upfordebatetv at gmail.com to email us or tweet at us at upfordebatetv. We love hearing from you. Uh, <laughs> that's going to do it this week, though. we got to end it here. We'll be back next time with the conclusion of our exciting bracket. Until then, I'm Sean. He's Matt. We appreciate you being here. We'll see you next time for more landmark debate here on Up For Debate. This has been a Coffee and Beer production, executive produced by Matt Mariani and Sean Jennings. To learn more, visit coffeeandbeer.tv.